Welcome to the Mind Design Sports Podcast. I'm Brandon, and in each episode, I'll be talking about sports psychology with the guest speaker. If you want to design your sports experience, you've come to the right place. If you want more tips and insights on how to improve your sports performance mentally, check out our website and other podcasts at mind-designsports.org. Today, we're talking with Dr. Jared Spencer about the impact of the pandemic on athletes' mental health. Jared is the founder of Mind of the Athlete, a sports psychology company committed to improving athletes' emotional health. In addition to that, Jared serves as a sports psychologist for several professional teams and individual professional athletes. He works closely with NCAA teams including Princeton, Lehigh, and University of Maryland. He maintains a private practice where he provides one-on-one coaching for athletes and business leaders. Today, the topic and the focus of the questions will be on the psychology of the pandemic and mental skills to cope even better. We'll talk about and touch on five of the most prominent mental health concerns seen during this pandemic in athletes, which include anxiety, strained relationships, stir craziness, anger, and insomnia. Thanks for being here, Jared. Always a pleasure. During the COVID uh, pandemic, athletes and people in general began to face much more complex mental problems. What mental problems can you highlight and what are their greatest threats? Well, the biggest thing that we're seeing is anxiety, uh, fear of the unknown. And so if you ask anybody, they'll say, you know, when you ask, hey, what are you doing? next week, next month, and they'll say, I don't even know, because we're living in a culture and society where it's almost hour by hour, things can change so quickly, you know, whether a basketball game is going to actually occur or not. And so anxiety is one of the biggest mental health concerns we're seeing out during this pandemic. And that anxiety has had a huge negative impact on relationships, on sleep, overall health and well-being. And so anxiety is one of the biggest things I'm seeing. I see. And do you think that working out and getting in shape is a way to lower the risk of mental health problems like anxiety? For sure. The phrase working out. What are you really working out? Well, what you're really working out is the emotional tension that's held within the body. And so as you sweat and move and lift weights, you're literally working out that tension. Thus, we feel better emotionally, not just physically after workout. How would you explain if someone is super tired, is that still working out because you don't really feel good, but you feel tired? Well, if you have a great workout, you may experience some post-workout uh, fatigue, which is very common. But in general, if, if people are feeling tired, a lot of that just can be feeling emotionally drained, depleted, not enough emotional energy to do the things that they want to do. And so tiredness can really be in large part about emotional fatigue. Oh, okay. Got you. And because of COVID sports competitions are gone or reduced and therefore motivation level decreases and some athletes face a lack of confidence in themselves. What would you recommend to cope with that? I would suggest the confidence script. It's a technique wherein an athlete might uh, write down 10 facts about their journey in their sport. So for example, one might uh, be a high school baseball player and they may say, I say, well, how many years have you played baseball? I've been playing baseball for uh, seven years. Okay, write that down, number one. I've, I've been playing baseball for seven years. Number two, you know, how many games have you played in in your lifetime? Oh man, I can't figure that out. That's really, no, no, figure it out. Let's do the math. Let's get a ballpark number. Well, actually, I've, I've played in over 300 games in my lifetime. Okay, well, that's, that's a lot of games. How many at-bats have you had? Oh my goodness. Well, maybe over 1,000. Uh, what's your all-time batting average? Well, it's probably like 300. And how many home runs have you had? And, and you see, as we go through these facts about their journey in baseball, suddenly they realize, wait a second. You know, I may not have had a season last spring, but 
I'm a heck of a baseball player and, uh, and nobody else got to have a season last year. And, and I have a lot of confidence knowing like I've, I've come a long way, you know, I've, I've batted uh, over a thousand times in games. So by using the confidence script, it's one powerful technique that can help an athlete believe more in their skills and ability uh, in their particular sport. Interesting. Are there any other special mental exercises? Well, for confidence, I really like the idea of having a mantra, which is a word or phrase somebody repeats to themselves to elicit the desired emotional state. And so having those mantras, like a, something uh, they might print out, tape above their door or inside their batting helmet, if we're using the baseball analogy still, in, you know, for example, personally, on the inside of my football helmet, I, I had a piece of tape and I wrote, you got to believe. And every time I put that helmet on, I was like, all right, man, I got to believe that when I put this helmet on, like I can make things happen. Or when I would leave my bedroom, I actually had a, a, a little sign I made. that said, uh, make it happen make it happen. And so don't wait for it to happen, go make it happen. And so having words or, and like that around an athlete in strategic places can go a long way at helping them to feel a little bit more confident. So for a younger athlete, where, what would you advise? So like having one mantra and where would that be like in their bedroom and they just look at it before they go to bed? Uh, yeah, I think it's actually not just having one mantra, but having strategically placed mantra so maybe on your desk at home there's something regarding academics that would make sense and then maybe uh, if you have some weights in the in the house a little home gym of some kind then you might have something there regarding working out and so even on a golf ball you might have initials written on the golf ball uh, maybe like uh, you know, clear mind, better performance. So CMBP on a golf ball. And so that might be another mantra that's strategically placed there, or maybe a Sharpie, something is written uh, in code perhaps on a field hockey stick. But the idea is to strategically plant multiple ones. I see. Do you have any favorite mantras maybe from famous athletes that you know of? Well, I think the most famous would be Notre Dame football's, you know, play like a champion today. And I believe that that one has really set the bar for many athletes that as they walk out the tunnel, they'll, they'll hit that at Notre Dame. And, and I believe that many schools, if they don't have one, should have one there. And many athletes, if they don't have one in their bedroom, they should have one there. But that idea of like just tapping a little something it really can go a long way, but Notre Dame's is probably the most iconic. That's great advice, yeah. And the lack of organized sports also has an effect socially on athletes. Uh, we know that support from friends and teammates can be extremely beneficial, but not only are sports canceled or limited, some people can't get out of the home to socialize during lockdown. So talking online into a screen all day after school sometimes exacerbates the problem. So what are some remedies for this? Man, that's a brilliant question, and I'm afraid I don't really have the remedy for Zoom fatigue. But Zoom fatigue is a very real thing and electronic communication is excellent and amazing to a certain point. And so when we're trying to connect, and of course an adolescent social life is largely on electronics at 10 p.m. and maybe even later, it's hard if you're not gonna do that to really connect with somebody because the face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball becomes very risky. Uh, for certain individuals. And so the solution to that is the obvious, which is get together with a close friend, invite him over your house, hang out. But is that safe? Uh, is that wise? Uh, that's an individual decision, a family decision. 
that people will have to make. But I do believe that getting outside with sports and recreation could be another great way. So take a skateboard to the park, go up on the mountain and go skiing, go out and play some volleyball. You can be spread apart from people perhaps enough that you can still have time with each other and but also by really minimizing the risk so anything that's recreational outside could probably go a long way bringing some of the social connectedness that adolescents are missing yeah going off the social connectedness point you just said uh, i think i scrolled through your uh, social media accounts and I saw that you talked about meaningful connectedness. How can athletes understand who will be the right person to have with her or him, like having a meaningful connectedness with them? Yeah. Well, meaningful connectedness is really about emotional vulnerability. And so when somebody tips their cards to somebody else and shares about their own private struggle or weakness, and that other person validates it, they empathize uh, with the individual, that's that's a meaningful connectedness if somebody minimizes it or dismisses it or blows it off you're likely to feel like yeah i didn't really connect with that individual and so therefore that's not going to be a meaningful connection so if you can have that type of bond over some degree of suffering that's when we feel very connected with another human being if you don't really suffer or go through problems Maybe younger athletes haven't really went through major problems yet. How can you still achieve that connectedness? Well, everyone's got anxieties. Everyone's got fears, you know, worries. For example, where am I going to go to college? You know, what if I don't do well on that test? What if I'm not playing on the team? I'm on the team, but I'm not playing. Uh, what is that like? And so everybody has their own degree of worry and stress. Uh, largely in adolescence because there's new experiences like i'm dating somebody new and everything that we do together is new and different and so people can relate to each other when it comes to developmental milestones that maybe either they themselves have surpassed or they're going through or they will be going through so at that level it's easier for people to connect with others. I see. And I know you already touched on this a little bit, but what are the benefits of being connected um, meaningfully? And maybe do they have any benefits on the court on sports? We all want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. That's kind of a natural instinct that we all have. And so when you get to wear something on your chest, because I am part of this team and we feel part of something bigger than ourselves, uh, there's camaraderie there there's kinship there there's an opportunity to do something greater with others that we couldn't do on their own and for all those reasons being on a team is a really great experience to help us feel like we are part of something more meaningful i see i also saw that you said that the pandemic gives the ability to focus on the present can you speak to that a little bit well Anxiety is really when your mind goes too far in the future. So as your mind drifts into the future, we tend to be more anxious. When your dr mind drifts in the past, we tend to be a little bit more depressed. So if your mind is right here, right now, in the moment, typically that's where the mind's safest. Like at the moment, things are probably pretty good. And so there's a roof over your head, you're warm, there's food in your belly, and uh, 
you know, you're in a safe spot. And so plenty of air to breathe. And so like a lot of ways, like life can be actually really good in the moment. And the pandemic has forced us to do that because it's hard to even plan what's happening next month. We don't even know what's happening next month. So we have to say more in the here than now. Now, ironically, that's the only way an athlete can really survive and thrive in their sport is they've got to be right here, right now, fully absorbed in this moment. And when they are, they can do amazing things because their body can respond in a millisecond. But you got to be in the here and the now. And this is part of what the pandemic is actually training us and forcing us to do more of. I see. And I feel like the pandemic has some benefits as well. So do you, can you speak on some of the benefits for athletes? Well, one of the biggest benefits is that it's keeping athletics in this proper perspective. Prior to the pandemic, most athletes felt overscheduled, overextended, overwhelmed, tired, very little rest, recovery, and recharge, and very little hobbies and recreation. And the pandemic has put all of that back into its proper perspective, and athletes are having far more time to rest and recharge and slow things down. They're playing much shortened seasons, and they're actually developing hobbies, things like baking or uh, going out for bike rides or hiking or chess, you know, things that they're doing just purely for pleasure, which are really good outlets to let out tension. And so the pandemic has been very good for athletics because it's really put it in its proper perspective. Um, even if someone's season is canceled and they have to take a pause in competition, isn't this a superb chance to restore yourself and reprioritize athletics? For sure. It's an opportunity to just let our bodies heal, to exercise and train without having that grind that an athlete often puts their bodies through during an actual season. So in a lot of ways, one can develop their skills and one could develop their flexibility and one could develop their mental toolbox and so there's a lot that one could do to continue to advance, even if they don't have the opportunity to actually play the games, they can still be a better version of themselves. Yeah. And at the same time, someone can argue and say that the pause is going to have a negative effect on athletes, like becoming more lazy. So can you give some advice about how to use the extra time in the right way? Well, I think that whoever is labeling the athlete is lazy. Um, the problem is probably largely more on their shoulders. And that's probably coming from adults, coaches, people that are older than the athletes themselves. And basically what they're also saying is we're devaluing rest and recovery. And so, yes, they do have a point in saying that if they looked at the athlete's phone and it had screen time usage, you know, higher than the four or five hours, it's a bit more common for an individual. And if there's excessive screen time use, you know, an hour or two of TikTok, then Okay, maybe they're squandering the opportunity to uh, use that time in a more productive way. But if it's within the realm of normalcy, I'm okay with it. And I think it's more a judgment and a labeling based upon a outdated parenting coaching philosophy of um, you've got to go, 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 take advantage of every opportunity. And, and really devalue rest and recovery in the process. I believe you can do as much as you possibly can while having adequate rest, and that will lead us to avoid burnout. Yeah, totally. And I also read online that you said that having a clearer mind, which leads to better performance and a focused mind leads to one's best performance. Um, what is the difference between a clearer mind and a focused mind? 
Well, a person's mind can be generally clear at a particular point in time. And if their mind is clear, there's not a lot of repressed emotional tension. And consequently, we feel more relaxed and we feel like we can utilize all of our mind. Our psychological defenses relax a little bit. So we can recall things a little easier. We can be a little bit more humorous. We can be a little bit more patient, a little bit more loving. And so all of those things are kind of the foundation that lead to the ability to really focus. Um, because you can't really focus if the pre-conscious mind is flooded with all these emotionally charged things you're trying to block out. You might be able to focus for a little bit, but you'll experience uh, focus fatigue. Um, and that is eventually going to take a golfer, for example. And they played great the first nine, but the back nine, they really, really struggled. And so the ability to focus is really the ability to block out outside distractions that are in the pre-conscious mind that are really kind of bubbling up from within. And so when the pre-conscious mind is clearer, we really can keep our mind focused on the five senses, what you see, hear, feel, touch, and taste. You can really be in the here and the now much more uh, attentive to what is happening and being more mentally fluid with our adjustments to that. Yeah, and such a side question, what is the pre-conscious mind and how does it affect performance? Well, the pre-conscious mind is kind of like the back burner of the stove. You might cook the chicken on the front burner, but you've got the rice simmering on the back burner. By definition, uh, Freud called it this, the place in your mind where memories are stored that can easily be recalled, but they're outside of your immediate awareness. And you become aware of what's in your pre-conscious mind when you drive a car and you're just thinking or put your head on the pillow or maybe you go out for a run and all those thoughts come from up in the pre-conscious mind. And so that's essentially what it is. Great. So back to the focused and clear mind stuff, does one complement the other? So for example, if you don't have a clear mind, will you not have a focused mind? No, you can have a focused mind. It just might not have the stamina. So one may be very stressed, for example, and then a situation may arise that requires them to slip into a hyper-focused mode and they can do that, but they might not be as easy to sustain that. And even if they can't sustain it, there may be a far greater crash afterwards from doing that. So that's the difference. Perfect. Let's talk about stir craziness. What is that? Um, stir craziness is really kind of a term that is used more in prisons when people were incarcerated first couple days and weeks in the prison system, they'd just be like, look, without sensory uh, stimulation coming in, they really felt like, I don't know what to do, and and I'm bored, and I just need some activity, and, and they didn't have it. So stir craziness would be more commonly used technically in that kind of context. Of course, during the pandemic in March and April and May, people were saying, I'm not used to not being able to go out and do anything and, and having to quarantine at home. And therefore, they felt the tension of what should I do? Have you already consulted with athletes with symptoms of stir craziness? And is it a frequent phenomenon? Oh, sure. It's, it's literally in everyone. And the good news is that the antidote to that is get a hobby, uh, something for fun, something you just do for pleasure. And consequently, the pandemic has really enabled athletes to pick up hobbies to counter the stir craziness. Sounds good. 
Another mental health problem was insomnia. And is it the aftermath of anxiety or is it one of the causes of it? Well, it's more the cause of it, although it can become a vicious catch-22. You're sleep deprived, so you're more anxious. The more anxious you get, you, more, you can't sleep. So it's a vicious cycle. But ultimately, I do say that sleep is the number one factor in performance. And the way that we could get ourselves back on track if our sleep is a problem is by paying attention this evening to your big yawn. Uh, you'll have a big yawn that comes over you at some point. And then according to Dr. Nicholas Hall, an hour after that yawn is when you would ideally fall asleep. And so if you can hit that mark, you'll enter into your sleep cycle a lot easier as opposed to lying in bed, tossing and turning, and just thinking. Now, of course, in that hour between the big yawn and when you do fall asleep, no electronics, no phone, you know, just take a shower, read a book for pleasure, and allow your mind to ramp down. And if you do that for three straight nights, you feel really, really good. So that's probably one of the more main causes of insomnia. Are there anything else, maybe like ruminating about a bad sports performance? Sure. But in terms of the, the, the root causes of anxiety, I mean, some of it's just biological and medication can be a very viable option to help people with that. It's very much genetic. Another part of it could just be internalized messages. You know, messages from a parent can go a long way or messages from a coach. Uh, some of those messages could be actually toxic. And of course, the individual uh, finds himself thinking about them in the quiet of their own bedroom late in the evening. So uh, those are some other reasons why anxiety may be occurring. Got it. Um, another thing you said that occurs because of the pandemic is strained relationships. What is an example yes. of a strained relationship? <laughs> I love you, but you're driving me crazy. <laughs> or uh, I love you, but I don't really like you very much right now. And of course, what's happened is during the pandemic, families have been uh, forced to spend a lot more time with each other, more than maybe we like, or that's actually healthy and good. And so people have just gotten on each other's nerves on the mild end and on the more significant end. Uh, you know, we're seeing more divorces, more domestic violence, uh, more marital strain. And so the family dynamics have been really complicated by too much time together, which uh, may not be a good thing for, for some families. How does that affect an athlete and a younger athlete? Well, the body achieves what the mind believes, and the mind is going to, uh, the body is rather is going to hold the emotional tension and stress. So if the athlete is listening to mom and dad argue uh, repeatedly in a strong emotional way, that's going to impact the adolescent. They're going to hold that tension inside. And that's oftentimes when we see an athlete not perform very well and we find out why their body's not really performing well. It's because they're mentally stressed about family tensions. What happens if the athlete, him or herself, is actually in the strained relationship? What should they do if they feel that way? Create space. Two big words. Create space uh, from that individual. The next thing to do is find your voice. Find your voice. No longer being passive, but no longer being aggressive. You want to be just assertive, speaking the truth as lovingly as possible. But we definitely want to create the space as much as we possibly can emotionally and physically. So, like, how would you do that if you're always living with maybe a parent and you feel like a strained relationship between your parent and you're always with them? How would you create space? Well, I think it's really important to be outside in nature experiencing all. You know, when you're out 
side of the house and you're out in nature and it's just like, wow, it's beautiful out here. It's, it's really great. It really can go a long way. So it's something as simple as I get out of the house and I go for a walk. Well, granted, it might be an hour long walk, but you're just getting out of the house and going for a walk. And so anything uh, getting out of the house, um, whether it's over to a friend's house or to the park, anything like that can help significantly i see i know that walks are good like you said and it's a good way to de-stress and prevent depression while getting some physical activity what would be your advice to those who cannot go out and maybe take a walk with a friend or don't feel comfortable going out maybe if it's like snoring or cold uh humor use humor to help us to alleviate the hurts held inward so hurt held inward is the definition of depression and sometimes we're either going to laugh or cry about those hurts and so if we can watch funny movies, watch funny YouTube videos, humor can be a great way to experience catharsis, which really is a, a freeing of that repressed emotion. And so humor can be wonderful to help in those situations. Do you have some favorite YouTube channels that might have useful insights or to de-stress? You know, one uh, favorite one that admittedly that I, I like is uh, Key and Peel. And so Key uh, and uh, Peel are two african-american comedians probably in their uh, 30s uh, 40s very funny comedy central they've been around for about four or five years at least uh, they've got a number of a lot a big library of videos in fact one of them actually even did an event with uh, former president barack obama and and it was it was absolutely hysterical it's on youtube as well and so i believe that that's just one example that I sometimes have been watching lately. Of course, there's thousands of comedians out there, but I had found their stuff to be humorous. Perfect, that's great advice and insight. Just moving to you, you, wrote, you also wrote a book called Mind of the Athlete. How did you get inspired to write a book and what was the catalyst for it? Well, that book is uh, actually my second book. The first book is called The Sky is Not the Limit. And I learned to write the book with the first one. And when I learned to write the book the first time, which I co-authored with somebody, I knew at that moment that my signature speech, my signature concept of uh, Mind of the Athlete, Clear Mind, Better Performance was, was going to manifest itself into a book. And so the opportunity presented, I was in my off season of the summertime, and I knew I can get this thing done. So it was the next project up, and I'm so grateful I did it because it's obviously blessed a lot of people with the content that was in it. Can you outline the main ideas and maybe findings from your Mind of the Athlete book and maybe summarize a few important points that young athletes can take away from it? Well, the concept I spoke of the pre-conscious mind, if it's clear, meaning the more you talk about your stuff, the more you get it off your chest, particularly in a legally protected conversation with a psychologist, it can really go a long way at helping a person feel better. The second main part is now we've got to put mental tools into the mental toolbox, so to speak, so that at times we do need to really focus and block out things in the pre-conscious mind. And so if we can have more tools, like I mentioned a tool on confidence earlier or anxiety management, like one is uh, listening, relaxing piano music up until about an hour before a game the more you listen to relaxing piano music it keeps us calm and relaxed and therefore will perform better so the more tools we have in that toolbox the better an athlete will be and the book that i wrote really helps people understand the value of clearing out your pre-conscious mind 
and building up the tools in your mental toolbox. That's great. Those are all my questions. And I was wondering if you had anything else to add on or maybe any tips or things to keep in mind for those young athletes listening to the podcast. Well, I would tell you and to them and others listening, get on the path. And what I mean by that is there's a whole pathway of mental health and sports psychology. And I was fortunate enough when I was in high school to have a mentor put me on that path. And once I got on that path and started learning about it, um, I've never stopped. And so get on the path, watch as many YouTube videos as you can. I've got over 500 YouTube videos out there for you, but there's tons of other people far smarter than me and, and wonderful content that I'm always listening to and, and uh, reading books and, and uh, podcasts. So the more you can just get on the path and get in the pipeline of this flow of information, I believe that each individual will increase their emotional energy, that their emotional intelligence will develop, and that they'll find themselves an emotionally healthier version of themselves. Yep, that's great. Do you have anything else you'd like to add on? As always, you know, I plug the website, plug the book, and drive traffic back to resources that people might look to say, hey, if I want to work with Jared, I want to read his book, mindoftheathlete.com would be a great place to take that action step. Well, Jared, thank you so much for uh, joining me with the podcast. And I thought we addressed a super important topic and I appreciate it. Brandon, my pleasure. Hope it was a blessing to everyone out there who listens. Thanks for listening to the My Design Sports Podcast. Before you leave, please show some love for the podcast by subscribing, liking, and commenting. Stay tuned for next month's podcast with a new guest speaker.